Hey, welcome to Traumarama Ding Dong. This is Remy Ramirez. This is Jonathan Griffin. Jonathan Boobyuck Griffin. Boob yum. Boob yummy. Boob yummy. And today we're going to be talking about betrayal and we have Sam McIntyre with us. Say hi, Sam. Hi, so glad to be here. Yay. Thanks so much for being with us. Sam is a psychotherapist and associate MFT. And a badass. And a badass. And has and a really, cool, a really outfit on. cool outfit on that yeah. y'all can't see, but just trust. Yeah. It's and pretty- I'm going to blast Remy's outfit too, because Remy's outfit <laughs> is on point as well. And I'm sitting over here and not as cute or well thought out. Oh my looks, God, you look adorable. Serving anyway, serving nonetheless. I am wearing my mom's um, Pepto Bismol pink onesie from the 80s and it definitely has a a mom original this is this is a mom original and it it's so original that like the crotch is fully ripping so (laughs) i have a i have a gender bending i'm not sure if that term is chill but i have a gender adjacent childhood memory that just came up for me when you were talking about your mom's jogger or whatever well dove and i and our cousin who i will not name because this is like kind of private information but we would love to raid our aunt cheryl's closet and she had a good closet and she was physically active so there was like many share like there were many shades of pink and floral print and we would oh my god we would layer that shit and like tie shit around her head and put on like yeah bracelets heels heels were used but i think that the interesting piece there is that it was like a very seminal pardon the male term it was a very like introductory way of like thinking about how gender was performance mm, totally 100 percent. and I super that really stuck with me because I feel like what I realized in that moment as a child especially as a Christian child I was like why is it chill for there to be like a body of a man naked on a cross everywhere but like a woman or like anyone femme presenting or femme acting or femme whatever woman must be like totally draped and covered and like disappeared you know and it's just like initial yeah and I was like oh my god like I think it just kind of laid the fucking pipe wait that's hot um it kind (laughs) of gave me it it just gave me some fucking juice you know I was like damn okay pooch me girl like I was like I think this whole thing's kind of weird but those pearls I want all of that fucking costume 80s jewelry back why the looks they served and the the floral oh my god can I please you know that I'm obsessed with the 80s and I'm obsessed (laughs) you grew up or lived through that magical fucking sherbet and like candy cane moment that was like candy land all over the place candy land up in me right now. yep did I ever tell you about the time that um I met a woman at a party but I couldn't I couldn't really hear her but you know I was kind of like well I'm Remy like whatever like nice to meet you whatever and then I saw her a couple days later this is in Sedona where you like always run into people she was weird to you and she was like oh yeah I know you we met the other night you were wearing that 80s costume Oh, were and you wearing like, a costume then? No, no it's your I look. I've seen me. I've seen you give some '80s looks. Girl, oh, I serve some '80s looks. Yeah. But I didn't. Know. If anyone follows your Instagram, they know. They I know, thought. Like, I thought I was just wearing vintage, but when I told my friends that, and I was like, "Can you believe?" and they were like, "Well, you look very '80s all the time," and I was like, "What?" I respect, girl. That is a that is a fucking endorsement of your fashion sense because you the know, '80s. I embrace. 
I embrace. But bold shit was going down in the world of fashion. Like, just think about Grace Jones oh and like the shoulder Leaf. pads. And then, yeah, the, the all glasses. of the Pee Wee's fucking playhouse, man. Like, oh, looks, adventures. the vibe. Large, large the color. Marge in the truck. Large Marge oh in the truck. God. I had a weed person in Brooklyn once who only responded to Large Marge. <laughs> and, fun fact, also a gender like confrontation of how performative that shit is culturally everywhere if you start thinking about it 24 7 well the only reason i have this pink ass onesie on today with the rip in the ass is because i started my period finally (gasps) after like cool fucking days you're not pregnant I will. Which, I mean, I hope you, I mean, whatever. That's uh, you. I if mean, only there were a risk you. of me being pregnant. There sadly is no risk of that. However, my oh. body finally like pushed out a period and now I'm like, eh, no pants, no, no waistbands of any kind. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to ask you, so as like an aspiring feminist or femme supporter, what is like a way, like, because I've always been a little confused and like people with front openings that bleed like I'm confused how to talk to them with it about it because it's not like I don't want to over communicate like understanding it you know what I mean but I like want to acknowledge it no before we started recording you said the most beautiful thing to me that anyone's ever said in my entire life when I've told someone I was on my period what did you say you said thank you for being oh yeah for life or something I was like, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, I just feel like the vagina and the whole process, like, no matter how you slice it, is like literally the portal through which all humans crawl, right, into reality, existence. So it's like, that's the most sacred fucking thing. Like, that whole, you know, the circle, like, the place of that it is, and like the, you know, order of operations that is life. That's a fucking sacred place to be with a pussy, you know, or like a, however that looks or feels to you. If you feel like you could, like, bring life into this world i think it's the coolest thing yeah and that's it, like we're all is. god like that's the closest thing we know to like god is a fucking woman right yeah, and that's why exactly. it, yeah anyway because, Oof, i'm like right. getting chills i might cry i don't know why i love pussy <laughs> so much but like i don't know it's good it's well, like a positive I, affirmative love yeah huge and i and i wanted to like i wanted to say something about that because i I can think of zero times that I've ever talked to a dude about having a period that he ever gave me that fucking response. I, for right. many years, it was like, ew, you you're think gross. Of me as a dude, though? Like, I don't know. I think like unpacking, I if do. you talk about gender, yeah, I'm a dude to you, huh? That's yeah. interesting. Well, because, yes, because, but yes, you are a dude. No, I, I respect, and it's honestly, it's kind of, it's humbling to be dude because for me, <laughs> for a lot, no, I'm serious. Like, for me, dude was always like, a term reserved for like solid guys or whatever cool guys so it's like dude is like kind of foreign for me a little like i get called dude like mockingly i guess no, but i've called you that's why you've said something before about me saying well i just i also try to like edit gender talk in general True. everyone's always like they True. them who are you talking about and like one right. person i just why or like whatever anytime you're like mr mrs you know it's well, it's also, you're right it's and it's also why i've made an effort not to say you guys even though i love saying that because it just feels so like you know i'm from la yes. so you guys that feels very right, right. natural to me um but i make an effort to say y'all so that it's not mm. gender specific but y'all I, I use which southerners have had a problem with in the past but oh, they can eat a dick i'm from the south so i give you yeah. permission 
thank you. I, I guess is, eat a dick. This is live, so like, I'm gonna go eat a dick, but also y'all. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna go eat, eat a dick, y'all. Y'all's dick. Y'all's dick. I'm gonna eat y'all's dick. Okay. Okay. So, um, sh- should we jump in? Should we go? I just want to note that was me trying to make fun of white Southern people, which I'm sure they love. But I'm also so into that, like the whole cowboy thing, vibing. Mm, oh my god, I can straight vibing. Wait, I love it for vibe. a little while and then I get bored. Okay, well, you give know? it to me. Send them my way. Cow- <laughs> okay. send- All right, cowgirls, send them my way, and okay. I will have them, partner, or I'm whatever gonna, you'll. I'm going to call you a cow dude. <laughs> I'm it. Okay, cow dude, cowabunga dude, which cowabunga. I never got what cowabunga really was i feel like it was like a surfer term that they said when they were like riding the waves probably but like cowabunga cowabunga. yeah sure okay let's do it cowabunga cowabunga betrayal (laughs) cowabunga betrayal okay so i'm gonna do my trauma light on a story that is about betrayal i mean betrayal is like inherently not funny right like unless you're a psychopath in which case Betraying Unless people. you're trying to heal from it and you're Probably talking to your hers. friend. <laughs> that's that's right. Or, or in case you have a in on. trauma podcast. Yeah. Okay. But I do have this tale of betrayal from high school that as mm. awful as it was in the moment, I, can't, I laugh so hard about it now. It's also humiliating. <laughs> so when I was in high school, I was in this dance troupe and we every year had this huge recital where we would rent out the auditorium of a college. Okay. So this wasn't like a little middle school auditorium. It was like a fucking massive auditorium with a big I ass stage. name. Uh, sorry. What? You've no, brought up dance in. twice. Oh, as a, tra- as a root of trauma. As a trauma. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, it can be. traumatic. Yes. Thank you. I'm a lifelong dancer and most of my recovery has been around my relationship to dance. So. Yes. Oh my God. I honor that. That yeah. is so honorable. That's so I true. Love. Sam, that's like a really good point because also, I mean, there's a lot of like psychology that goes into like beating you down and being a dancer and competing sure. and like all of that stuff. Anyway. So, um, we, we would rent this like massive auditorium that would always fill up. It was like, I don't know. What maybe was the we- name of your dance troupe? And was it the Mormon one or a different one? Oh, no, it was not. It was not a Mormon one. At that point, I had like She's realized that I was never going to be a Mormon. Got it. <laughs> I was like, let me go to this other place. No, it was at Debbie Reynolds Studios, which is now torn down. Oh. I'm pretty sure it was in North Hollywood. Oh, shit. Yeah. No fucking no North hell. Hollywood girl. I love yeah. that. Nelly Village girl. And, um, so we, we would do all kinds of numbers, tap, jazz, ballet, lyrical, all the things. And we had this tap number where our costume was like a sailor outfit. So it was like a one piece that had like bell bottoms and then it like came up and then it hooked behind your neck. Like it was a halter that hooked behind the neck and then it was backless. So we couldn't wear a bra. So Mm. (laughs) it is opening day. of That makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you don't need like a big bra strap, like, you know, gross in the back. So anyway, uh, it's a day, it's the first day of our like three day 
recital situation and or like Friday night, that's whatever it is. Three days. Yeah. That's fucking show business. It bro. was like show biz, baby. Damn. And sold out, by the way, every single night. Sold Shit. out. Yeah. Debbie Rebel De- the Debbie Reynolds fucking dance troupe selling out, girl. <laughs> yeah, it was no joke. And so I didn't know I was in the presence of such a dancer, actually. Really? You didn't know that? I mean, I'm not. I mean, I, now I know. Now it's clear to me. It that was this is serious. Like, it was serious. Yeah, yeah. Super serious. It was serious. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we're like out there doing this tap number. And, you know, like you're like tap to tap tap. And you're like smiling so big because it's like smiles, ladies, you know, the lights yeah. are on you. And then tap tap. all of a sudden, my fucking the hook that's holding my halter together just <sighs> Unfucking hooks, Girl, and and the um, whole top no. just goes bam, like just down, tits out, the world, fucking cowabunga, dude, straight up, cowabuba, and I fucking booba girl and i grab the top like the pieces of the halter like pull it up and all like the whole while i'm like smiling super wide to like cute you know because yes, it's like cute. showbiz and i like yeah. buffalo off the stage is like a little tap move it's like buffalo off the stage and so i and this is where the fucking trauma part i mean i mean that was trauma but the betrayal part i get in the wings and i'm in a fucking days i'm like what just buffaloed happened to me like this entire auditorium of 500 people just saw my 15 (gasps) 15 year old titties Uh. so i'm i'm like not aware of the fact that this like swarm of moms has surrounded me and i and they're talking but i can't hear what they're saying and finally, and they're like touching me, but I don't know what they're doing. And finally, what? I just realize that they are fixing my costume so that oh. I can go back on stage. And I was, and finally oh. I realized what's happening. I'm like, I'm not going back on stage. And they're like, you have to. And I was like, I can't. And, and they were like, you have to. And they pushed me. <laughs> oh my God. Oh. Yeah. So like these moms who were hanging out in the wings who were there to like protect us lady teens during our vulnerable stage performance and like make sure everything runs smoothly. They literally just pushed me back onto the stage. And I like suddenly emerge from the wings with this like Remy. smile on my face. <laughs> like, Remy. Like, ah, everything's great. And I, and all, okay, because the size of this, I mean, this is a big stage. So the troop huh. is on the f- complete other side of the stage. So I have to buffalo what? by myself. <laughs> back. Sorry to laugh. She buffaloes back. again. To buffalo back. All the way back to the other fucking side of the stage to like rejoin the troupe and finish out the last like 30 seconds of the routine. Uh, it was, uh, was, I mean, it was so awful and Remy. hilarious now. I definitely cried when uh, I got off stage. I definitely cried. Um, those I bet, moms, I bet, yeah, I bet you looked amazing. I mean, like, I know that it's traumatic <laughs> for you and I want to make space for that and I can hear it in your voice, but also I bet it looked kind of cool coming back. The Buffalo back. Yeah. <laughs> We're all just the buffling return, back, you know? The return Buffalo, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Fuck man. You couldn't pay me any amount of money to go back to 15. No yeah. amount of money. Could you pay me? Um, okay. But so my trauma around, around betrayal, like, <sighs> oof, honestly, I have a lot of 
tales of betrayal, like some cheating ones. I have some friend stories, but the one that I think is probably one of the biggest in my life is about my mom. Mm. So when I was 18, I was cheated on by someone who was a big part of my friend group. Basically he was my high school sweetheart and I won't go into those details. I'll save that whole fucked experience for the cheating episode. We'll one day have, but it was fucking awful. And all my friends knew that it was happening. No one told me I was totally blindsided. I fully trusted this dude. Yes. Like we had dated on and off since I was 15. I'm 18 at this point. So I really conspiracy to betrayal is like, in terms of friend group or trauma is like the worst or like complicity and betrayal. You're like, listen, we were friends. Right. Right. So this cheating was betrayal on top of betrayal. It was like, Uh, okay, everyone I cared about betrayed me. Cool. Um, Yeah. So you're like the people who see me. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And that's even a form of betrayal too. Cause you're like, I thought you saw me. Right. right. You're like, fuck. Yeah. So that happened during the summer. And then in the fall, I went to college and was honestly a fucking wreck at school. This was the semester of my eating disorder that happened as a result mm. of being cheated on. That we talked oh, this about. is that, this is yes. that boy. Oh, yes. no. So we oh, talked no. about this in the first episode, the body trauma episode. Anyway, yes, this is it. And I was an emotional fucking dumpster fire, just crying all the time, mm. a total mess, not eating. Wait, freshman year of college? This was now my sophomore year of college. Oh, shit. Yeah, because I started oh, no. college at 17. So yeah. Oh, so God. he was a year younger. Anyway, not a, whatever. Not a big deal. So anyway, I mean, it was a big deal. But that part of it is not. Yeah, a big no, deal. girl. Yeah. Okay, so I came home for Christmas. Mm. Like 15 pounds lighter, whatever the fuck it was from not eating. And on Christmas Day, it was just me and my mom because my sister was actually with that dude that I talked <gasps> about. Yes. Right. Yes. In the other episode with Shady Shayla uh, and Goofy Greg. Shady yeah. Shayla. Oh, Shady God. Shayla and Goofy Greg. They were all hanging out. Little did mm-hmm. they know what the fuck was around the corner. So anyway, Little did they know. My mom and I were doing Christmas alone and I was fucking merry and bright. I had Christmas music on. I was uh, like making some something in the kitchen, probably toast. Let's be honest. Uh, it was like, of course you were <laughs> the best toast though. The best toast. You've I ever want had. it. I want that toast. It was like, you know, whatever best day ever. It's like 78 degrees outside because Los Angeles, I'm having a great time. And then our apartment buzzer rang and without oh, asking no. who it was, I pushed the button and like let in who I assumed was one of my friends. Cause that was something that we always did. Like friends would just kind of come by all day and like bring yeah. the hot goss or, or presents or whatever. Fuck yeah. And when I heard someone knock at the door, I was like, awesome. I like bounced across the living room, threw open the door. Someone going to spill tea, girl. Yeah. Well, turns out standing there is this fucking dude who cheated on me. And he's like cradling a present in his arms. Mm. So of course I'm stunned. Right. But also I'm like, okay, you fuck. Like here you are on Christmas day here to beg for forgiveness. (gasps) You're bringing me a gift. Like, Uh. you know, like you think that's going to quell my fury. And so I'm standing there like filled with rage, but also this like secret pleasure that he's come back to grovel. And Mm. then all of a sudden he's, he goes, is your mom here? And before I could respond, my mom And this is the same mom to whom I had relayed the minutiae of this dude's cheating scheme in real time, you Uh, know, like the mom who- And also a couple 
coupled with the giver of your life. Like this woman has a vested interest. Yeah. Or yes, exactly. And who had witnessed my like full on emotional collapse by which I mean, like she one time found me sobbing in a closet, which is like generally a not chill sign, you know? Yeah. Generally a huge not chill sign. And also the mom who, though she'd had no one else in the house to distract her from doing so had not Mm -hmm. once mentioned to me in the course of the day, that day being Christmas fucking day that my cheating, lying CD thieving he fucking Ugh. stole a bunch of CDs oh, no. from me on the Fuck way out. No. Yeah. That's the worst. And you're like, I know that song. I know you have that yeah, song. Yeah, I know you have my goddamn CD. I know you have my yeah. fucking Tori Amos. Anyway, that they'd, like, that they'd Possibly had a- clear. Yeah, thank you. That they'd had a conversation somehow and that she'd invited him over. And she just comes bounding up behind mm. me and says to him, come in, Merry Christmas. <gasps> Oh, fuck no. And he walks in and they fucking hug right next to me. And Uh, I'm just standing there frozen. Like, what are you talking about? The cheater. Yeah, she had the cheater over. And when he hands her her this gift that he brought, she goes, oh, is this for me? Wait, I have something for you, too. She'd fucking gotten him a gift. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. And they walk off together into the living room. And I just like, I just quietly close the door. So to the closet that you were crying in. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Basically pretty much. So here's the thing. You might be thinking that this is where this horror story ends. Mm -mm. Not so. Not, not so my friends. So after about 10 minutes of standing awkwardly in the kitchen, like fucking slicing jam or whatever the fuck yeah. I was doing in an attempt right. at like some level of safe, you know, trying to like save face in this horrible situation, I finally just go upstairs and cry into a pillow for like a hundred years. And when I heard him leave, what? which, which what? The- wait, wait, what? Oh, yeah. He's just hanging out with my mom on Christmas Day. No one Day. came to comfort you? Oh, no. No, no, no. What? No. Oh, no. No one oh, comes no. to comfort me. So I heard him leave after a fucking while. And then I still am just lying in bed for like an hour and just like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And finally, I just decided, you know, Christmas is fucking canceled and I'm going to my friend's house to drink beers and cry. So great. I wa- great. 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 Thank Yeah. Way better. So I walked down the stairs and I stand in front of my mom, who's like working on a crossword puzzle. And with this what? voice, brittle from teen sobbing, I say, mom, I just want to say that it really hurts my feelings that you know everything that he did to me and that you still h- invited him over on Christmas and had a gift for him. And my Seriously. mom. Good for you. My mom, thank you. My mom yeah, looks for you. up at me from her newspaper and stares me right in the eye and says, wow, thanks a lot oh. for ruining Christmas, Remy. No. Ah, that's so <laughs> not, that's very, not holy shit. How parents are supposed to respond in those moments. It's oh. like really traumatic. Oh yeah. It was pretty fucked. I'm like traumatized by proxy like (laughs) yeah holy fuck I get it yeah it was fucking terrible yeah so 
and you know, the reason that betrayal can be as soul crushing as it can be is because in order for it to really be, you know, to, to reach maximum betrayal potential is that there has to be a deep foundational solid trust there to begin with. Mm. And not only did I deeply trust this dude and my friends, and then was betrayed by both of them. I also deeply trusted my mom, you know, even Mm. though my mom was super unpredictable emotionally, I still thought of her essentially as a safe person, you know, Um, which is, but also for her to make herself available to this other person emotionally over you, but not me. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, and also it's very important in developing a person's ability to trust, you know, to have, to know that your parents are safe, at least, you know, one of them. Absolutely. Um, So that, that belief was utterly disrupted for me by that experience, Mm -hmm. that belief that my mom was a safe space in a way that would take years to repair in part because I would later learn that they were talking on the phone like every week. And when I asked her to stop- She literally refused and told me that she was choosing to be love and <gasps> she wasn't going to let me and my resentments take that away from her. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. So a real betrayal, like poop sandwich, which is Shit. like the LOL way of saying that it completely broke my heart, which was already completely broken by this dude to begin with. Uh, so I, I want- don't think I've ever heard like a truer, like living example of that like idiom like yeah girl like you survived I yeah I survived a major and I actually have a great relationship with my mom today but yeah it was devastating yeah and I wanted to talk about something else about this so when this happened like adding adding insult to injury you know like I've never heard like a clearer description of that you know right thank you thank you I'm so (laughs) I'm so that proud. Got kicked when she was down. I'm no, I'm not. I'm sorry. I was no, no, I no, like, I love that you said that. Holy it's, fuck. Uh, yeah, I would love to fucking own that trophy. Um, because I did survive that. Um, but when this happened, I was 19, and it would be another eight years or so before I started therapy. And by then I'd had all kinds of other shit experiences to take to my therapist. So I never really processed this. And when I was writing the notes for this episode the other day, I felt a Mm. lot of emotion come up around it. Mm. And like I said, my mom and I are really good now. And I, and I'm going to actually kind of talk about that in a second, but I brought this to my therapist to talk about, and I, I felt like rage come up. I felt humiliation and, Mm. and there was this deep grief around not feeling chosen. Mm. Like that was the thing. Right that I realized is I was like in this situation, I already felt not chosen when he cheated on me, like Mm -hmm. chosen this other girl. And that was super trauma. But then on top of it, in this experience with my mom, it was like, he was choosing my mom over me. Like, well, fuck Remy. But as long as I can stay in contact with her mom, then that's cool. Also like, where the fuck were they? Where the fuck were they while making these decisions? Right. And like, where was Remy in that shit? You know, like they were like, anyway. Yeah. Wait, Sam, were you going to say something too? Uh, Just that sounds very manipulative. Mm, Right. Yes. Well, yes, he was. And then it was like, my mom had not only chosen him over me, which was fucking bonkers, but then it also felt like she had chosen satiating her ego 
over right. me, right? Exactly. Like, like it was more important to my mom that she get attention from this 18 year old guy than right. to protect me and make sure I was safe. And on the way home from my therapy session, like I had gone through all of this and I, I would, had been like crying in my car, or like just feeling all this intense shit. Um, and then I like, you know how your mind kind of wanders, you know, when you're driving and I kind of mm. want like, and all of a sudden I noticed that I had this, I was like, I, I had this intense desire to hook up, but not in a genital specific way, but in a like full body way. And mm. I was sort of caught up in thinking about that when I suddenly stopped myself and just noticed what was happening. And I went, I was like, whoa, this experience brought up emotions that left me feeling so raw and so mm. abandoned and unloved. And my like unconscious knee jerk response to that is to want to hook up. Hmm. Not because I want to like orgasm, you know, no dude will ever outperform my wee vibe tango. Well, but because I want to feel seen and I want to feel safe and I want to feel chosen in a way that might sort of like undo this pain. So it really got me thinking about how betrayal and like really trauma in general, but specifically betrayal in this case, mm. um, like what my, tr what trauma responses I have as a result mm. and in particular, how it's informed my sexuality and what I look for in sex. Especially, right. And especially in that time, right? Like it was like you and your mother, it's just such a crucial time for that developmental piece to be like you being chosen, you know? Mm, yeah. Right. Your teen years. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but it, it was just like really kind of shocking. Cause I was like, this is still in me like this, um, sort of like frantic, like oh, I need to yeah. look for a way to feel chosen. And it was like, I didn't, I didn't even realize that I was doing that until I stopped myself in the middle of it. And I was like, Whoa, how, like what other unconscious, um, sort of reactions am I having anyway? And I was, mm. just, yeah. So I was thinking about that and that's, so anyway, that's like some real time trauma Rama, but anyway, that is some real time trauma. -rama. I also feel like it's interesting to see where that comes up for us. Right. Because like, even when I go through trauma, sometimes I feel almost like, you know, can't be bothered by it. And then other times mm -hmm. it like guts me, you mm -hmm. know? And so it's like, I, have not done a really great job of identifying why that is, you know, like, I'm like, what variables are in play here that are making this one worse than the other, but like, yeah, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes it gets me to think yeah. about, which I hope you're okay. Like I, you. I know I'm that feeling much cheesy. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Thank you for saying that. And I do feel a lot better now. Um, but anyway, you know, I did want to talk about what's helped me heal from betrayal and it's looked different in different situations in my relationship with my mom. A lot of evolution has happened. My mom and I are super close today. She actually was just here for like a week and it was great. Nice. I really love her. She really loves me. And I know that, but to be able to move on from that, you know, fucking hellscape of a Christmas, I had to be heard. Right. As far as I'm concerned, it's impossible to really heal a relationship with someone who's betrayed you if that person refuses to hear you. 
you know, to absolutely or like admit culpability or yes. admit that they did it, you know, because yeah. acknowledge the damage. Yeah. yeah. But and, that's where like healing begins. Right. right. And it sounds, again, very self-help bullshit, but no, it's but it's so true. true. Otherwise, part of experience. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, otherwise you're just basically dealing with a narcissist and you can't have a healthy relationship with a narcissist really that's like intimate anyway. Well, it's hard to identify with how deep of a wound someone's betrayal is, you know, similarly to like, you know, physicians, like medical doctors is like, based on what a patient tells them about pain is like, that's how their pain is measured, right? And it's like, kind of hard to like, quantify that amount. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And with my mom, it took me essentially telling her like, look, I can, I was just so straight up. I was like, I can never be close to you again because you betrayed my trust. You continue to deny all wrongdoing and you've made me the problem. I just like straight up told her. And I was just like, I don't trust you. And I can't be close to you if I don't trust you. And it took, and that happened years after the fact. And, um, but it took me realizing that and, and expressing it for her to really get it. And Mm. she was like, oh, I understand that I fucked up and I'm really sorry. And then we started rebuilding. But the other side of that rebuilding process was me letting it go. And Mm. that was just a decision I had to make. You know, I had to decide that my relationship to my mom was very important to me and that I wanted to move on. So Mm. both of these, those were like two sides of that coin, but people will betray you and never acknowledge their transgression. And then how do we heal? So for me, the biggest thing has been learning not to take it personally, which can feel so impossible and so daunting, but over and over, I've learned that when people don't show up for me in the way that I deserve, it's because they're damaged and they haven't worked on it. Mm. And ultimately more of a bummer for them than it is for me. And I, when I was writing my notes for this, I was like, I feel like I really need to say something. And that is, I have to make a distinction here because it's really triggering for me when people use the word forgiveness in the context of like, you have to forgive this other person so that you can have your life back or, you know, whatever, so that you're not angry. One meaning of the word forgiveness is to absolve someone. And Mm. to absolve someone means to declare that person free of guilt or responsibility. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, an adult person is responsible for their actions always. And it's not that choices we make can't be nuanced, but I don't do anyone any favors by saying, actually, you're not at all responsible for that shit thing that you did. Because then that person doesn't have a connection to their own growth. Like if we don't take responsibility for ourselves and we don't grow and I don't want to be a part of that. So By that definition, Mm. I'm not comfortable with forgiveness per se, but, and this is for people who have betrayed us, but won't own own up to it. There, there is a way for me that I can lean into not forgiving someone per se Mm. without simultaneously leaning into bitterness and resentment toward that person. And that's by not taking their actions personally. And that combination allows me to have healthy boundaries where I hold them responsible, uh, but I don't take it personally. Right. right? And exactly. And that's depersonalizing it. It's like, Remy, you are so brilliant and so well spoken about this. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, it's because I have felt so 
um, pissed when people are like, you just have to forgive them. I'm like, what? And I had to really think for a long time about why is that so hard for me? Or why do I have so much resistance to that? And it, right. it almost feels like it's someone wanting to erase the truth of my experience. Mm. Um, but this by, if I can not take it personally, but hold them accountable, it allows me to have my experience, but also move on without like spitting at the mention of this person's name. And like, maybe even having compassion, although I don't ever pressure anyone to have compassion for someone who betrayed them if they're not at that point. Um, but a great example of that is this guy who fucking cheated on me later in his life. He got super addicted to drugs. He had to move mm. to his friend's parents. He then stole from his friend's parents. He lost a ton of people. Sure. And eventually I realized that the way he behaved with me was a reflection of his unresolved trauma. It never had anything to do with me at all. Exactly. So being heard is number one for me, but if the person isn't willing to hear me and make amends, then processing it till I really understand that it wasn't personal. So Mm. that's what I got. That's what I got, baby. I think it's interesting because at the core of betrayal, which I think you said so well, is that it's this feeling of invisibility, right? And it's like, holy shit, like you were able to just erase me from your brain. Right. for like your own gain. And that's, I think the confrontation of that, like is like the core trauma, right? Like yeah. that's the, that's like the most, and I think you're constantly reliving that trauma, you know, like they mm-hmm. talk about, what is it? Cartesian dualism where you What's see that? yourself as separate. I mean, like, so the initial injury uh, in theory, like in, um, philosophical theory of Descartes was that it was that you saw yourself as separate Mm. or as like maybe as invisible like and that's like because you're like not going to be supported in your survival right or like this person was able to excise you from their thinking I don't know it's just like it's the most core trauma I think or like Mm -hmm. one of them right um I think for me like just hearing you talk it's like this confrontation with like the blatant disregard that someone has to have for your well-being, mm-hmm. right? On this fucking spaceship planet Earth, you know, your fellow fucking cosmonaut, like, I don't know. I think there's an agreement there when you're friends with somebody or your mom with someone yes. or someone's yes. child. You're like, hey, I just trust you in this. And like, you better not fucking, you better regard that trust, you know, honor that fucking trust. And that's the fucking worst, right? Um, so I, I kind of wrestled with like how I was going to word what I was going to talk about. Cause I usually talk about, I'm going to talk about a personal story, but before that, I just wanted to say, I guess it's dangerous to like word up or like blame one thing for everything else, but like betraying oneself is the core. It's like the core value of Judeo-Christian thinking, you know, like this Mm -hmm. idea of like giving up your life for your friend, you know, or valuing that relationship that you would like ignore your own needs. And I just feel theoretically speaking, you know, philosophically thinking that's very much embedded in the West as like the highest human endeavor is what to not be able to like be crucified on a cross, you know, I don't know. The Which martyr, I think the hero, right. right. Much idealize those archetypes. Yeah, this like poorly adjusted person who decided that their life wasn't as valuable as like other people's lives. I don't know. And that's the core 
teaching, you know, of Judas Iscariot in the Bible, because like in Gethsemane, he is the one who like went first to Jesus and was like, I fucking love you. Kiss on the cheek, girl. And then went and fucking told, like turned their fucking back and Mm. walked away and like told the guards where they could like snatch Jesus up, you know? Hell no. And that's the fucking most, you know, when I think betrayal, that's literally the first thing that comes to mind, which is conditioning, but also like, if you think about it, like that's kind of also the basis of our like rule of law in the US and like in other like English colonies, I guess. Anywho, big talks, big things. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Um, so yeah, I, I read some stuff and like there's a betrayal, like a, a psychological analysis in the National Library of Medicine, which, you know, whatever, fuck nationalism. But they said that betrayal is a sense of being harmed by the intentional action or omission of a trusted person, which I feel like that's the fucking injury there. It's like you omitted this actual, actual fact, right? But like the most common forms of betrayal are harmful disclosures of confidential information, disloyalty, infidelity, dishonesty. And they're like so fucking traumatic and they cause such distress, right? And like, I don't know if you've ever been in this place, but I suspect you have is like this morbid preoccupation. Like, like there's shit I can't remember, like especially like important shit, like things that I wish I remembered. But for whatever reason, in the brain, this thing is like front and center. Oh, at 100%. I remember every single fucking tiny detail. Like everything. Yeah. Like I'm I remember like, my I mom wish... was doing a crossword puzzle when I came downstairs. Like exactly. what? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's the shit. Like, I just feel like the brain has such precious real estate. And like, mm-hmm. you can try all you fucking want, but like forgetting betrayal is like, I don't know, girl. Like, happen. I don't know. Yeah, I just don't know what, like, what would get you there. Um, <laughs> but the effects of a catastrophic betrayal are the most relevant fucking anxiety-causing situation, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, there was a series in this, like, National Library of Medicine. They were doing experiments where it was demonstrated that feelings of mental contamination can be aroused by imagining unacceptable non-consensual acts so like just highlighting this idea of consent and trust in a relationship right Mm. and like the magnitude of mental contamination was boosted by the introduction of like betrayal what wait what does that mean so it means that like feelings of mental contamination can also be aroused in like perpetrators of non-consensual acts like that person knows that they're guilty of betrayal does that make Mm. sense so like the psychological significance of acts of betrayal is discussed between like the client and the clinician. Mm. But like, I guess it's just like, or not clinician, but person running the study. Um, But I guess for me, what that highlights is just like these layers of betrayal because Mm. like they can be so top of the pile betrayal depth, or they can be like, Oh my God, I didn't even think about that until now. Right. Mm, Like you didn't even realize that you felt betrayed by it. Right. Or it comes up for you when you're thinking about it. Exactly. And you're like, damn, girl, like this injury. I And betrayal. Yeah, I don't know. But greed, power, fear, like those are like, at least the way we're conditioned, those are the worst things to be. Right. Mm, yep. And yeah. So I've 
so much empathy for everyone out there who's ever been betrayed <laughs> and like <laughs> suffered through morbid preoccupation with that moment of betrayal because I think it might be one of the most human experiences. Mm. Um, an initial thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think also, you know, cheating is a type of betrayal that really like I, I, I have a strong reaction to and it's not just morbid preoccupation with right. it happening in my life, but when I have a friend who gets cheated on, for example, right. I fucking lose it. And you it's show be- up. yeah, because it has been so painful in my life that when I see someone I love going through it, it's like that morbid preoccupation goes into overdrive. Right. And like the thing that's so fucking injurious about that is that like this person that you had presented themselves to you as trustworthy, right? And as having regard for your well-being. And like, that's why you were there to begin with. You know, you're like, you're fucking my mom. I mean, not that you're fucking my mom, but like you are my mom. <laughs> God damn it. To have my back yeah. here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's just this like confrontation of disloyalty and like, ugh, I don't know, revealing secrets. It's like mm. also like when you tell someone a secret and you're like, this is just between us, like finding out that that is like not kept, you know, right. or honored. Right. Like, yeah, fuck yeah. An apology is in order. Mm-hmm. And like not only an apology, but like if you are going to continue in my life, like changed fucking behavior. Yeah. Like this is like. And I kind of, not that I like that because it sounds a little codependent, but like that point in a relationship where you decide that like, okay, we're going to get through this thing, you and I, you know, that moment of trust in a relationship where you realize like this person is either going to apologize or they're going to like accept your apology. And that to me is the most like beautiful moment in relationship with other humans is when you realize that you're in a place where you can like perhaps try and like forgive and forget you know I think that gets brought up a lot but like forget (laughs) is another form of erasure you know and it's Mm -hmm. like it's kind of confronting again of like that cultural divide between like whose injury gets apologized for Mm -hmm. you know who's doing the injuring and who's injured and we're always kind of playing with that calculation in our head like in every way right you're like who's safe who's not safe and um yeah so it's very unrealistic to expect someone to not have a memory of of any kind of trauma like the whole give and forget thing it's just not biologically physiologically really realistic exactly and Mm -hmm. I think that when you do realize and learn to like revisit if you do have to do that in your head in a less injurious way meaning you come up with like a way to do it that it doesn't it's not so hurtful you know that's health that's being healthy that's like the whole I mean for me in psychotherapy like and where I've gotten any work done that like I I liked and I'm keeping you know is that it's like introduction of this idea that you can do that and you're capable of living through it and you're capable of forgiving but not this whole fucking Jesus-y Judeo-Christian thing of like be the better person and let them injure you Mm-hmm. yeah that's you know? a submit response like it's actually still just a trauma response and I think when you think oh. about Foucault or like um you know the history of sexuality or all of this philosophical work that gets done you know they they talk most often about like this injury you know the sexualized energy through which humans like perform 
And like trust is built on this whole idea, like sexuality, all these things come from that. Um, and this is like what attachment bond is, right? It's like the ability to touch somebody. Mm, mm. And I think that really speaks. And to trust somebody and be like, you're not going to fucking stab me when my back is turned. In fact, right. based on the conversation that we had earlier, and I learned about you as a friend in my life, like this is the opposite of what was agreed upon. Yeah, this is the exact opposite. This is Yeah, exactly. Remember when we had that really important conversation? This is not that. Um, <laughs> but it does show, like in a relationship, it does show this capacity for growth. And also once you've learned to trust again, someone in that, uh, like a relationship that's been broken, um, I think it can also be a strength in a relationship because it's admitting fallibility and being like, look, I can fuck up, you can fuck up. And like, I don't know, as, when you're a child and the first time that someone really fucks up and you like get an apology out of them, that's also really impactful. Yeah. Because you're like, look at that. I guess we are friends. I guess you are worthy of my trust, you know? Yeah. That's what and I know that's not like- supposed to teach us, like the, to have repair. Like repair is always an option. But if right. the person is willing to be in integrity and do that accountability process, but like, that's the whole thing is- are you open to repair? Can you do that? Because then really anything, if you're willing to repair, it can be repaired. It's just the willingness. Right. And I really, I, and I love that distinction too, because I think a lot of people think of like the goal as the, you know, the fixedness of a thing, like something having been fixed, but like in therapy or like the way I think about things like this is that it's like constantly in a state of repair. Not that like there's like a end game where you don't ever think of this thing again. It's like, it's where you get comfortable enough to be like, we're working on this. Mm-hmm. This is this is in the workshop right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like getting to a place, that's what an apology is, where you're like boat where you like realize you're like, okay, so I can I can do this. Like we can, we can be wrong. We can get called out. We can even be insidious. Like we can even be like deceitful in our way of like causing harm to others but then we can also be generous you know um so yeah I just want to talk about that a little bit but also like the larger gospel of like with Jesus and fucking Judas like Judas came up to Jesus and fucking kissed him you know yeah and that's why yeah fuck yeah you're like Rude, okay sir. don't come up and don't come up and kiss me and then go fucking betray me so manipulative don't, yeah I mean and that's just that's kind of where we're at in that so I do have like a little personal thing and I'm going to be as vague as possible but like when I think of betrayal it's the first thing I think of and it's got it all girl it's got all the goods oh my god lay Um, it on me well I was just like a poorly prepared person entering into like my early 20s like meaning I didn't really have a lot of good behavior that had been modeled for me and I didn't really have people in my life to like that I trusted and like but I like nonetheless was like put into this like head server role at a restaurant where I did like the wine buying which was cool because like felt very adult buying wine and like going to wine tastings but I was like everyone's friend like meaning all my friends that were my age like after the corner I like hired anyone who was cool Mm. you know or like could give a job to or like not that I was giving the job but you know what I mean like that was the manager I aspired to be. I had a lot of toxic traits for which I owe everyone an apology who I was toxic to during that time because that happened too. But 
you know, at the core of what I was doing, I was trying to just be cool with people and be cool. But that always backfires, doesn't it? Mm. So anyhow, I gave someone a job once and they were not the person I thought they were. And like, they never had a direct conversation with me about their frustration. Like they kind of just pretended like we were friends um, and like betrayed me kind of constantly in that way. Like meaning everyone else, I guess, after the fact I found out this person had been that way, like very clear about their, you know, hate of me, I guess. I don't want to call it hate, but like they didn't like me. But like never did we ever was I ever given the fucking opportunity to talk to this person mm. because they didn't have the fucking, you know, hood spa to like come up to me and be like, you I'm know pissed. what I mean? Like I was never, there was never a table, which I understand as a white male performing person in this world, the boss quote unquote employee relationship is difficult and nuanced and hard and shitty like it's so shitty and but like I wasn't really the boss I was like the friend boss and I was also like those like same age friend boss who like lived down the street and like thought I and they had come over to my house and like even forgot clothes at my house and like like we were that is like that is like next level friendship right Totally. I mean, that said, the boss was kind of toxic. The, the owner was never there and kind of just went off of like the stupid little log that we wrote about the events of the day. And like some of it, I didn't tell them, but like overall, this person, the person who is in question, the quote unquote employee was like, had been regularly commented on by like Yelp and shit and like just feedback or whatever anyway the owner decided to like unceremoniously let this person go like mm-hmm. went over my head didn't ask me first and just did it right and I understand I guess from like like a stupid capitalistic patriarchal stupid business side that makes sense to do but this person did not take it well mm. and said like legally kind of portrayed me in this way that was like predatory like and like said some really hurtful shit to me that I had you know and I think that's the thing that was so hurtful the betrayal piece is like I was never given a chance like to this day I haven't had a conversation about this and it's in my mind like it takes up so much real estate in my mind because it was like why wouldn't you just tell me? Or like, why couldn't we have a conversation about that? And like, Mm. in retrospect, like I said, it's clear to me why that was difficult. And like, I have a lot of compassion for that person now. And like, I have compassion for myself going through that. And like, I, at the end of the day, I hate that fucking phrase, but I just said it. Um, (laughs) I want to walk away with something useful from a hard to learn fact, you know, like that people fucking betray you. So, um, I have yet to have that conversation, but is that um, person still around? Yeah. I didn't know they were, which is fine. I kind of had dealt with it or like not dealt with it, but I was like forgiven myself. I was like, girl, you didn't mean to do that. And like, that shit is not true. And like, I kind of moved on, but then yeah, now they're suddenly moving back, um, here to San Francisco. It's this person's more visible. Mm. in my everyday life and that's I guess what the um injury was that I had thought them not to be unsafe and I had like made them in my head safe you know yep um 
and that hurt and it still hurts um and I think the other thing too Remy when you were talking about it it's like I cling I have clinged I've learned to cling to these things because they help me survive in a world you know like if you think about it like your like memory of hurt is like at its most core it's a survival thing because you're like okay well I have to get through this you know um so I'm just really proud of you and also myself or anyone who's found legs under themselves right to walk through betrayal because yeah I've never had I don't know if I've ever experienced so bad as like and then like having a twin though too it's like um again there's like different layers of betrayal and at some level level I kind of just expect my twin to fuck with me a little bit you know Mm. but it's like not a hard betrayal I mean there has been hard betrayal in our relationship but like I can I don't know it's just I I've learned to um, navigate different layers of betrayal yeah which I think is also crucial but also not helpful especially to go back and talk to 16 year old Remy and be like you should I don't know this shouldn't take up space for you it's like of course it takes up space for you yeah yeah um Yes. I, there's, I loved what Sam, Sam, what you said a second ago, where it's like, there's, it's just physiologically not realistic to expect these traumatic moments, not to take up space, uh, for us mentally. I mean, that's, that's just the reality of it. Right. And honestly, Remy, like, I feel like you saying at the top of this session or not session, sorry, I called it that, but like at the top (laughs) of this storytelling moment is that, you were like, oh, I didn't realize that this was there for me so prominently, you know? And it's mm. like, that's kind of it where you're yeah. like, oh my God, how, how did I not see that? You know? Well, and I think it's so important that we take time to unpack those moments because and like, sit I, with them sometimes and, yes, like, and process happened. them. This yeah. Comes up. Yeah. Because in my experience, I, I was, and I, I think it's just so important to the cause and effect in our lives. It's like this thing happens when I'm 18, 19, and Mm. then here I am 20 years later crying about it as I come home and then realize that like, there's something for me around the connection between feeling abandoned and unloved by my mom and wanting to suddenly feel like, Oh, I need to go hook up with someone like, right. What? Like, and I think that like, like sort of the Buddhist way of seeing that is like acknowledging that like that trauma comes right that happens Mm, trauma is trauma is and trauma you have no control over whether trauma is or you 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 can kind of learn to navigate your memory but like every time you remember that trauma you tell yourself that memory differently and you like remember things differently and you tell the story and so ultimately at its core that sort of trauma memory is like, you know, it's not reliable. Mm, Yeah. But it's like so tempting to do, to like tell yourself this trauma tale. You're like, girl, let's go. Let's do Mm. this. Well, well that actually, I love that you said that because that actually uh, is part of one of my questions that I have for Sam, but I didn't know if. Oh yeah. Let's jump into that. Okay. Okay. Oh my God. Sam. Hi. 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 Sam's outfit is amazing, y'all. And I hope y'all one day might witness the fashion that is Sam's outfit. Yeah. 
yeah it's like sexy lab coat like cool sexy wow. lab coat maybe vibes mm. oh into it yeah like sexy scientist um okay my the first question Antiest. that i have is um okay betrayal this is what i wrote betrayal affects our ability to trust in the big picture right so like maybe mm. something happens um and it's that's the microcosm of it. This thing, this specific thing happened at this specific time in my life. But in the macrocosm, are you going to have trust issues with like, for example, men or for example, women or mm-hmm. in romance or in your career, or whatever. So like, how do those of us who've been betrayed numerous times prevent ourselves from shutting down our openness to trusting? Yeah. So, so much of what both of you already shared in your story were the um, survival responses that get activated in the nervous system when we're experiencing a trauma, trauma Mm. being just the overwhelm of toxic stress of adrenaline cortisol, like pumping through our veins in a given moment. It's, Mm. it's, I, yeah, people, I don't know. I love your all podcast because you just talk about all the different shades of trauma. And I think in the media trauma is really shown in a very kind of uh, severe specific one event thing, but really it's just, if you experience over that overwhelm in the nervous system, like to that person and their mm. nervous system, that is a traumatic event. That is the measurement. Right. Mm. So those survival mm. responses are fight, flight, uh, submit, freeze and attach. Exactly. Attach is a, is a trauma response. Yes. It's, because it's like cling it's like cling to mama because mama is safe yeah it's even though she's crying for help crying for help wanting to someone depend on um it it can often manifest in like anxious attachment in many ways oh girl we know we know girl (laughs) yes so it's that yeah need to survive by continuing to rely upon the either the primary caregiver, if you're a child or whoever your attachment figure is. So it's really intense. It happens so yeah. Much. Uh, and that's, that's like the most core trauma, right? Is like that this person that you learned to think was safe for you is not. Yes. And then if you're met, like in many of your stories with either one, the opportunity to kind of like share your side of it or um to have that moment of repair or if you trying to do that like what you did remy is met then with the other person's survival response in that case fight like that denial that kind of like Mm. gaslighting like oh actually no it's you like that (laughs) that's usually going to bring someone into uh, either like a, a flight response or a submit response or attack Mm. response flight being like that impulse that like those physical sensations that you described in your body of like, oh, like I feel this need to like go hook up with someone right now. That's like a flight mm. response, like a kind of like, um, or uh, a what Jonathan, what you're sharing of like the rumination of like, well, mm. I, I, I need to, I, like wanting to share your side or like, why didn't, why did they do this? Why did they just come talk to me? Like that, like kind of. Right. Or this person is reasonable. Like this person is reasonable, you know, yeah. like this person will return the favor of like not gaslighting me and like living in an alternate reality where they've been fucking with me the whole time, you know, but then sometimes that's too much to ask. It seems. Yeah. So that like that as well is a flight response, like into the brain, like into the like trying to intellectualize or reason or trying to make meaning 
right. this experience that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then many times those meanings that are made from is like, oh, I can't trust this person or these kinds of people or, or I'm unlovable or I'm right. a problem or I'm like, what's wrong with me? So, and that's like the core of preoccupied anxious attachment style. Yes. So yeah. betrayal, I would say as a, uh, I, I identify nowadays as like a earned secure attachment person. Mm. However, my anxious baby inside of me is like due to a lot of that betrayal trauma for right. sure. Cling. And then you're like, cling, let me cling. Um, I can, may I, Remy, do you feel like that jump, question was honored? In. Yeah, jump Yeah, because I have some questions I want to ask, if you don't mind, Sam. Sure. Can I just say one more thing? Because I didn't really know like, how to address that. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Please keep going. Yes. Totally, totally. Which is just going into the body. So, like, Remy, what you mm. of actually feeling the sensations, like, if we're having emotional flashback or, I mean, it's kind of hard to do in the moment if you're experiencing something traumatic, but, like, in right. retrospect, if we feel the results of that, that fear of not wanting to connect with people, of not being sure if we're going to show up in this relationship or not, then we right. can work on the body level to start rebuilding safety by um, doing embodiment practices, by starting Notice mm. what sensations are coming up in your body like you know fists in your hands or like this like rage on the inside feeling that for a little bit and then noticing how does your body want to discharge that energy if there's a way it wanted to move like right want to actually like run away like maybe you could like run your feet in place for a little bit do you did you want to like yell and fight back and put your arms on and be like why are you doing this right like, that's a kind of like a embodied way of completing the trauma or getting to do what didn't get to have happen or like in your story Jonathan like actually getting to I role play with clients a lot around them being in one chair either talking to the person that betrayed them and kind of going back and forth between the seats like their role right restorative justice or just like performing that act it's called um the the um two chair it's not a very good oh, great. It's got a two no chair. i love that title we love it perfect it's part of gestalt therapy oh yeah um, gestalt right 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 yeah so it's like um, action based exactly and or you could have like an object and you're like looking at the object and you just like say with full right. body with all the big emotion that you felt in that moment you say it to that object and you let it out and then you have the therapist like they're supporting you to soothe or you would want to soothe yourself soothe yourself afterwards do you want right. to wrap yourself up in blankets do you want to call a friend who does value you and you and you do trust them mm-hmm. um do you want to go sit out by a tree and like mm-hmm. feel it's um protection and care and deep rootedness so it's like feel it discharge it and soothe it and do that like many many times so of course having (laughs) compassion for ourselves right courage to to feel it and sam i love that you brought this in because this is like so great and so obvious but it's like also giving yourself credit for like storing that trauma right because like sometimes you're like fuck why am i so burdened by this but like having compassion for yourself I'm like oh this was like a thing that I learned to do to live yeah you know yeah you're like this is not insane to have this thought or desire right and building a spiritual practice can be I found that to be very helpful because again yeah. that whole avenue is about rebuild is about 
trust, but also like trust in yourself and trust in this um, like bigger picture. I think you were kind of naming Remy. So mm. like how are there other entities or energies or plant creatures or animal creatures that you can rebuild safety and trust with instead of humans for a little bit? Maybe? Mm. I love that. <laughs> oh my I God, love- I love that so much, Sam. Thank you. I want animal friends that maybe are more trustworthy than these humans that I surround <laughs> myself with. Real. Um, thank you for sharing, Sam. I So going back to the preoccupied, anxious attachment set, I feel like we're talking about this, talking at this, um, which is a good sign because that means we're in it, you know? But like, I have an like stemming from my childhood and the trauma of being queer and like a deeply religious, mm-hmm. but also like deeply unqueer world, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's resulted for me, like what I feel like I keep perpetuating in my life. And I keep going back and building these relationships with people like that necessitate or like require my self betrayal, like that. I like keep overriding my own needs to like, to please somebody or to be accepted by them or like to like, and I override meeting uh, my own needs with meeting other people's needs or seeking their approval. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm glad that you brought up like the somatic spiritual and somatic meaning in the body Mm -hmm. and like the relationship between body and mind. But um, because meditation, just seeing something for what it is, as opposed to not allowing myself to be defined by it. is so key there, but I'm mindful of my preoccupied anxious attachment style. Um, but like advocating for myself and not betraying myself is so tricky. And I, I like, I often confuse it with like sometimes in other people or even myself, like being egotistical or narcissistic. Like, are there any tips for people who feel like they're recovering from something like that, like self-betraying to please others? Well, first and what you shared about uh, fears of being egotistical or narcissistic. I do believe that's like a cultural conditioning. Mm. uh, If you're someone who, you know, you tend to self-betray yourself, you abandon yourself. I don't think you're someone who necessarily needs to be worrying about being egotistical or narcissistic. And um, yeah, just because even the term like narcissism is like mm. they, it is, they are specific behaviors, you know, and experience, uh, relational behaviors that are mm. happening. So, um, like for example, psychotherapists, we don't just go around like diagnosing anyone with narcissism. It's like kind of a big deal. Right. So I, I think most people who are, uh, you know, self betrayers or abandoning yourself that that's not, that might be, I would get curious where they might've hurt. Like sometimes it can be helpful to think, what did I hear growing up? I think it was Jesus. Yeah. I think for me, it was like this, like honoring of this fella who like, instead of doing what I want to do, which is like stand up and like communicate clearly and be like, my life is worth something. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, like I want to do the opposite of just you, like, oh, you mean Jesus did that? Like, instead of being like, hey, my life is worth something. He yeah. Was just like this, this person had all the fucking uh, apparently had the direct line to God and also apparently had control of everything, apparently, but still was like, <laughs> I'm actually going to just betray myself up here on this fucking cross for all y'all to see and then also be the best thing you could be in the world. And you're like, as a child or anyone living in that 
context, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Religious trauma is so connected with betrayal trauma. Mm. Like, if we're even looking at it and of, like the Catholic Church and like sexual right. abuse, like that's a huge right. betrayal. But right. also the basis of our idea of law and justice and like right and wrong, you know, and always in that scenario, like that Judeo-Christian law thinking is like the victim is always the one who has to fucking prove this shit happened the way they said it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. think a lot about the trauma, like the historical trauma of colonization as well mm. as betrayal. Like I, for my, oh, yeah. a, a big missing, what I've been working on the past couple of years is ancestral the- specifically to mm. understand what are the automatic responses or the things that tend to be really hard for me. Like those either thoughts or those behaviors or those tendencies that I'm like, I know this is not working out for me. Why am I still struggling with this? That might be an indication of something inherited. Right, so right. About what, do you have ancestors who also went yeah. through intergenerational trauma that you're carrying yes. in your body, i.e. you're a slave owner, you know? Yes. Right, and that's like white, fragility kind of defined like this idea of whiteness being like something that you've inherited that like has so much harm attached to it like the first time someone told me that to my face that they hated white people I like lost my mind and started crying because I was like I fucking hate white people too or at least (laughs) the ones that betray themselves for like this whole intergenerational trauma that they could take responsibility for Mm -hmm. you know I'm like I hate those ancestors some of them yeah, well, they definitely I, need some help. Sam, I'm yeah. so like I'm so um intrigued by this question of like people pleasing and self-betrayal. And like um Jonathan, thank you for this question. And I'm I'm just wondering, like, because I have also struggled with people pleasing, and that was a trauma response um because I had there was a lot of rage from my parents. Mm-hmm. And so I would do a lot of people pleasing to just keep things copacetic in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and what are your thoughts about about healing that kind of self-betrayal um uh, a lot of heart work which I tend to think around um, boundaries so mm. ba- boundaries are like yes. huge like probably the biggest piece of work when of course when it comes to any trauma but definitely betrayal because it's essentially this agreement right mm. of some kind was broken and mm. Uh, where the nuance comes in with that is like, well, is that an agreement between like a child and a parent when the child was a minor? Is that an Mm. agreement between like, you know, two romantic partners? Were those agreements decided upon? Like, was there actual transparent, vulnerable communication at any point in the relationship around what is the container, the expectations, the agreements in this relationship, which Mm. I feel like a lot of people miss in the dating. They're like, well, I don't really want to share with them that this is what I'm looking for. Cause so I'm just going to keep kind of like, we'll talk about it eventually. It's like, no, you gotta, you gotta talk about it. (laughs) Yes. You're like going into this agreement. I'm going to make agreements about that agreement. And then (laughs) also reserve the agreement for myself to like be able to hold you accountable to this set agreements. Like, is that insane? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that self-reflection process of what are my boundaries? And of course we can use our brains and our hearts for that process. And we also want to involve our bodies. I'm a somatic psychotherapist. That's why I keep talking about the body. The HBB, Um, heart, body, 
girl that shit is and i'm sorry i keep saying girl it's like a colloquialism as like a can't be queer that i'm trying to get rid of but it's a as term a of endearment queer, i love the endearment of girls so thank okay. you for that yeah. <laughs> um yeah it's the bound i would work on the boundaries and the way you can work on that in a physical way is as simple as like um starting to notice the outline of your body by like um brushing your hands across your mm. arms or if for some folks brushing their arms might feel unsafe you could even just start with like a thumb but it's, mm. um the more that we become embodied in our own physical vessel in this physical boundary that we're in and then be able to feel from the inside out through the sensations, through the energy in our body, we can start to have a much greater sense of mm-hmm. what, one, what's coming up for us from like a bottom level perspective, like bottom mm-hmm. up versus top down. Um, right. And we can start to trust ourselves again, because that's a huge part of people pleasing or betrayal is like, oh, I can't trust myself to make any kind of decision or like, I know I'm just going to like cave. So like, I might as well just cave right now. Like, right. So being able to know what those boundaries are. And then again, that courage to experiment, because you're not going to also know all of your boundaries and until you know them. Right. Um, and having compassion for yourself when maybe there's like a, a trial and error, like with people pleasing, like I'm a recovering people pleaser. And so responding to events or like text messages or, uh, um, you know, things like that, I can, t- my anxious attachment or that um, attached response, survivor response wants to respond immediately in order right. to make sure that it's, um, I'm going to be able to keep the connection. Whereas right, I'm when safe. I'm, yeah, I'm safe. Where, but if I tune into my body in that moment, I would notice, wow, like my energy is really safe. up. Yeah, I don't feel safe right now. Okay, what would help me feel safe? Well, I need to maybe actually put my phone away, give myself, mm. I can even set a timer, like give myself 20 minutes to just think about, do I actually want to go to this thing or not? Do I actually want to engage with this person or not? Instead of this, especially in, in like modern times, like, this compulsion to feel like we have to respond like right away and everyone else's needs are more important than ours. And right. And I think that trusting your intuition is huge in terms of like overcoming people pleasing as like a, you know, thing that you learned, right. Is like trusting that fucking intuition. Like so many times Mm -hmm. in my life, I've looked back and I'm like, you should have known that. But instead you decided to shut that little brain down and like pretend like you didn't feel that right and it's like intuition is huge for me oh I love that well and I uh, there's something I'm curious about Sam I um I I really struggle as a heterosexual woman living in a patriarchy it's really hard for me to maintain like a cis het, like a cis hetero. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. It's yeah, so boring. It's okay. Um, but I also really enjoy it. No, no, no. But that's not boring. I'm just de- delineating because there are mm-hmm. many types of women. Anyway. True. Yes, there are. Um, and I, I really struggle with a general sense that men aren't safe because I, you know, the patriarchy betrays women. Mm. like that's how it's how it works it also betrays men but it it also uh entitles men and and doesn't entitle women Mm -hmm. um and so 
I'm curious, like, how do you think we go about healing something like that? Something that's um, a social force, this like feeling betrayed by the society that we live in. And I know, like, Mm -hmm. I'm speaking from the perspective of a heterosexual woman and a patriarchy, but like, um, people of color in a white supremacy, you know, queer people in a heteronormative social Mm -hmm. structure. Like, um, all, I think all of these are pertinent and I'm curious, like, how do we heal the feeling betrayed by our society? Mm. Yeah, that's huge. And, uh, so I work specifically with, um, eating disorder clients. Mm. I'm an eating disorder survivor myself and a huge part of recovery is, building pockets of safety, which, you know, either that's your chosen family, either that's maybe within your family system, maybe that's um, within, that's going to a support group, that's uh, getting people, like-minded people who you do feel safe with, that is always the place to start. And especially if we're coming at it from- Those are people. Yeah, those are your people, the people who get you, who understand you, who you can be your whole self with, where it's safe enough. Um, And in those spaces, I think it's even more, I mean, just showing up in those spaces is like definitely like enough in terms of building. um, And so fucking courageous. Super courageous, very difficult to do because the society we live in tells us to isolate ourselves and to also think that we're the only ones experiencing this thing, Mm. which is not true. Many people experience these things. Many um, women, many trans people, many queer people do not feel safe around cishet men and or the uh, rape culture and the patriarchy that's associated with that. Um, Or the injury that they've been caused their whole life or existence, you know. So you can build pockets of safety and also within those pockets, I think it's uh, particularly powerful to be able to channel the um, righteous rage, Mm. the the anger, that fight response. And sometimes the fight, like the fight response is not a bad thing, especially when we're talking about systemic oppression. Like that's not a a survival response that's from like a relational individual trauma where we're like a, a you know, in some kind of uh, abusive relationship behavior, this is like, you know, you're, it's that righteous anger, and it needs somewhere to go. So whether that's through art making, whether that is through activism, whether that therapy, therapy, uh, witchcraft, witchcraft, masturbating, collective liberation, yes, pleasure, yes, yay, intentional masturbation. Yes, manifest that shit. So well, your body stores things. the fucking memory, you know, and like you're like, oh, this is coming up for me. So, what's the opposite? I don't know. There's a way to do it. That's yeah, and weird. so maybe I don't have to completely pathologize my knee jerk response around like hooking up because it is pleasurable, and maybe I, you know, maybe there's something. Maybe it's nuanced. Yes. Right. Totally. You're maybe trying to soothe yourself. Like, yeah, it's, soothing. It's, it's all. It's all about like what. Yeah. Like, there's no. Put- there's nothing wrong with that. And well, response. self-soothing behavior is like such a core thing. You, mm-hmm. you like you think that's the how you do. Yeah. That's what we do. This is what this is. That's like the love of at the core of the love, right? You're like, yeah, yeah. I love myself. Yeah. When I come at it from like a recovery perspective, it's like however we learn to self-soothe growing up, 
like as an adult, we can have the, the for me, the practice is choice and agency over how mm. I want to do that. And there are, you know, various ways of soothing, you know, again, I'm coming from more like the eating disorder. Eating, right. No, I mean, like, both Remy and I have struggled and talked about our eating, eating trauma. Disorders, yeah. Yeah, I wrote a paper in university that was like, everyone has an eating disorder. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. Everyone has somewhat of a problematic relationship with yeah. food because it's a self-soothing thing. And I think most people have trauma, which is mm. surprising. Well, and know? also just how much pressure there is to diet or, you know. Be hot. Yeah, or be hot. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and like, what that the means. The way in which we're conditioned that certain things are hot and certain things are not hot. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Black and white thinking. Jonathan, you had an, another really good question that I was like, fuck yeah, that's a good one. Thanks. I mean, I hope it's just as good as yours because yours oh. are so good. Um, but <laughs> I often look at like the fear of betrayal. We don't like, need to compare and despair. No, <laughs> yeah. no. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah. But um, I often look at like the fear of betrayal through like you were talking about earlier, um, like Sam, like this evolutionary psych lens where like our inclusion in a group or being like in a trusting relationship with an individual or a yes. group usually is necessary for our survival. And like how we've evolved over all of these many years, millennia as social beings and how our stacks are like our, when I say stacked brains are all in agreement, I mean like our mammalian brain, our reptilian brain and our human brain, which we talked about in other episodes, like the layers of brain like how seeking trust safety when all of these brains are in agreement is like the antithesis of betrayal because that's survival right and like personally like through mindfulness and appreciation of like my own ancestral wisdoms and like the own thing like i just spent time with my mom last week and just talking about the history and talking about our family how you know, essential that narrative making process is, but also acknowledging the ways in which maybe our ancestors failed and like, how can we be decent ancestors for those coming? But like, yeah, just honoring this reaction to perceived threat or trauma as like an intuitive safeguard, meaning like our intuition, how do we honor our intuition? Like, is there a way you think other than that to like healthfully engage and honor our feel fear yeah, I think um, ritualizing it, however that looks like for an individual person can be particularly powerful. So right. for example, Lots. you could light a candle and in that candle, you ask it to absorb all of the fears that you're you're mm. feeling around this particular thing. This candle is going to hold this for me. I don't have to hold it in my body. Um, I'm going to do that right now. Oh, yes. yes. You can do the same thing with a plant or with a tree. Like um, mm. you don't even have to be near a physical tree. Like you can close our imaginations, our brains when we're oh. regulated are extremely powerful. So that imagination of, you know, uh, imagining yourself hugging a tree or sitting up beside it, even like your spine being like a trunk itself and like asking the tree to hold that for you. And even like transmuting the fears, like into the earth, into using right. matter and mother yeah. earth being like, Oh, that's delicious. Thank you for sending me all your fears. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Transmutation. That's the, 
the magical witchy act of transmutation of taking something yes. in my witch group. We talk about using the violet fire where it's like a Ooh. violet colored fire and you put all the bullshit in there and all the rage and the pain and the, uh, all the whatever, or like a specific scenario that's happened that's upsetting you. And what the violet fire does is it burns it and it transmutes it. It alchemizes ah. it so that what emerges is like gold. So it's not right. just that it makes the thing disappear. It actually mm -hmm. changes it into something really powerful and strengthening and affirming. And what you just described is literally resiliency and trauma healing. You know, yeah, the violet magic fire. Magic is resilience. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Say that again, yeah. Sam. Say it again. Magic is resilience. Yes. Magic is resilience. Oh, I love that. And also resilience is magic. Yeah, both um, ways. <laughs> Remy, yeah. you know what just came up for me? If you don't mind me sharing a real quick tidbit, a niblet, is uh, that last night I had a friend over and I did a tarot reading and then they read my tarot uh -huh. and my present was the devil. Oh, I saw that on your Insta. Checks the fuck out. And then my future, do you remember what my future was? No. It was the queen of pentacles. Oh yes. I remember Ooh, seeing yes. queen of pentacles. Yeah. We inverted, love. inverted, which is the best fucking future card ever. Hey. Like it's like opulence, success. Well, I was like, girl, we, I love all of these things. I was like, ah, maybe there's a future, but yeah, anyway, <laughs> there is a future. Is that related? But maybe it's all, it's all ancestral, like fucking witchy shit. Yeah. I mean, I would say the pentacle suite is like the way I orient to it is very much around rooting into like your purpose for being in this body, in this mm. life and kind of. Right. And that's why as a future. Yeah. yeah cosmonauts fellow cosmonauts yeah that's us cool yeah, we're all sam holy shit thank you so much for coming on i just feel like oh, my pleasure you i am blown away by the wisdom that you shared with us and this has been such a beautiful sharing situation yeah and i want to go back and like take notes on everything you said and do all the things i want to like role play with my therapist. I want to embody everything. <laughs> I want to like, like do some magical shit. Like everything you said, I, I, yes. I'm into it. Where can people find you on the ether? Space? You can find me at fullandplentyjoy.com, which is uh. where I host my, um, podcast called magically mundane uh. and, cool. um, have free resources and actually host a monthly support group for folks who are um, eating disorder survivors or in whatever wow. spiral of Is their Is there cost associated with that? No, it's free once a month and we use the tarot as kind of the guiding force what? for understanding our radical recovery. Yeah, it's like my favorite. Oh my God, so Remy, cool. I see you there, girl. I'm obsessed. So cool. <laughs> yeah, so fullandplentyjoy.com. Um, and if you are interested in working uh, psychotherapeutically with me, then you can email me at sammymaxomatics at gmail.com. Can you spell that Sammy out? Maxomatics. Yeah. S-A-M-M-Y-M-A-C somatics, S-O-M-A-T-I-C-S at gmail.com. Rad. Cool. Uh, Gmail. Speaking of email and Gmail, um, Trauma Rama Ding Dong is loving and needing and desirous of email. 
Yes, email us, you guys. I mean, y'all. Fuck. No. <laughs> y'all. You just caught it, though. You just caught it. <laughs> Thank you. Right. And that's, but course correction is the core of being mindful with your own action. Yes, right? You're and like, being oh, yeah. integrity. Yes, and being integrity. Um, y'all, yes, send us emails. And also, you know, money. I, Send us money. Well, and I wanted to take this moment to thank my mom, who has just been uh, like, I'm in my mom's onesie. She was my betrayal story, and she's our newest supporter. She putting so us on cool. anchor. So thank you so much, mom. She's thanks, 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 Fran, for making this. Um, Fran. Uh, yeah, monthly donation, and also we are on Facebook at. Trauma Rama Ding Dong. So like Trauma Rama Ding Dong. And also Trauma Rama Ding Dong on Insta. And also Trauma Rama Ding Do us on Insta. Please ding dong us on Insta. And also please cowabunga us on Insta. (laughs) Also, it would be amazing if y'all could leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Share us. Review Um, us. Right now we have five stars, which and six reviews, which is so great. So if you (gasps) could head over. Everyone who's reviewed us. Yeah, so people are being nice. Um, yeah, that would be Thanks. awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, and friends. Sam, thank you so much for coming on. We're obsessed with you. Thank you. Thank we you. We are. Thank you so much for having me and the work that you're doing. And the work that you're doing. You're doing. Yeah. Woof. Oh my God. And Trama. Rama. Ding. Dumb. That's a really good one. Uh, Bye, everybody. Okay, cool. That was-